right, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Meg and Tim are serve on our our staff. They are family and marriage pastors here. I don't know if you guys ever knew that, but that's that's their real title. We call them elders all the time, and they are that, but um, they are a part of the pastoral team. And uh, they've been married for 40 years. They have been in marriage ministry for 39. <laughs> okay, can you do the math there? Yeah, that's kind of cool. And um, anyway, they're going to come up, and they are going to uh, be speaking about their passion, which is marriage and communication. We wanted to do a talk that was going to be applicable to everybody, and not just couples. I mean, that's our main subject area for us, is working with couples and families, but uh, we love singles, too. We used to be singles. So uh, we want it just to be effective communication for anybody and everybody. So this is what a heart-to-heart -heart is all about. And I'm going to discuss it a little bit as soon as I put on the specs. So while he's getting ready, um, we love being a part of Joyland, and we thank you for being here tonight. Uh, so here we go. Okay, so first, if you look at your sheet there, it's what does communication, why does communication deteriorate over time? Well, there's many reasons. Unresolved issues from our past, some of us have those. Hardening of your heart, a lack of forgiveness and repentance. That's a big one. Once somebody's been offended, a lot of times they say it's pretty difficult for them to forgive. And um, I don't think it's a choice. I think it's a choice that your feelings will eventually go along with it. But, you know, Jesus said, I'll forgive you to the, degree, to the degree that you're able to forgive others. I'm paraphrasing there, but it does talk about that. So allowing pride to control you is not good. Unwillingness to talk, okay? Some people think, well, rather than get an argument, we just won't talk about it. Wrong. Someone is dominating and or manipulating the conversation. Sometimes a stronger personality can take over and manipulate the conversation. That's not a good thing. Being a good listener, sometimes that's really hard, right? Is to make sure that the person that you're talking to is hearing you. So that's part of what you're going to see in the exercise tonight. Okay, lying and deceitfulness, a lack of trust. Okay, if you've been lied to once or twice, it really is difficult to build that trust back up again and know that somebody's not going to lie to you once again. Okay? Harsh and condemning words. Really bad. You know, that's like what we used to call muckraking. You know, dragging everything you can think of from the past where things didn't work out the last time you had a conversation and you're sure because it didn't work out before. It's never going to work out this time either, right? So fear of being honest. Well, sometimes we are afraid of the conversation, but the best thing we can do is to communicate it. If we're not communicating and we're lying about the situation, that's when we're allowing the enemy to get in and stir things up. That's really bad. So avoidance, not spending time together. And we've known that to happen, you know, particularly with couples where... Um, one will have hobbies over here and the other one will have hobbies over here and they'll have friends that they hang out with rather than hang out with their spouse. And it's just because, again, they don't want to get all riled up and they don't want to have conversations that are going to lead into strife. So that's just how things can deteriorate. Now Meg's going to talk to you about... <laughs> well, I wanted to say something first. 
Uh, this isn't just for a married couple. We were very careful not to make it so specific. But it's for any kind of relationship. It can be with a child. It could be with a relative. It could be with whosoever. It could be with a, you know, a coworker. It's any situation uh, that needs to be addressed. Okay, this next part is how to change the way you communicate, getting back to heart-to-heart -heart communication. What will happen is if you're not having heart-to-heart -heart discussions with somebody that has offended you or, or there's an issue with, you start shutting down. And that's not healthy for anybody. So um, some of the suggestions are to how to uh, change the way we communicate is ask the father to show you how he sees the situation. He sees things so much different than we do. So be open to what he has to say to you. And then go ahead and ask your spouse or whoever, you know, the other person is for a time when you can share your feelings about a certain situation. Reconcile past issues. This may take some time. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, if we let this build up longer, it's going to take to unravel it. But God will give you the grace to do it. Take responsibility for your feelings and communicate failures. So it's a two-way street here, okay? Be vulnerable. Walk in humility. Choose your words carefully. Try to avoid I statements or try to avoid uh, you I statements and use I statements. Take Take responsibility for how you feel. Stay to the subject. Don't go wandering off. I know us gals, we can, we can, we're, we're champions at that, you know. We want to hit all four walls, the ceiling and the basement, you know. Become a better listener. And? Yeah, I think that's it for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think what you'll see, even when we go through the exercise, because we're, we're going to use a real event between Meg and I and something that's happened in the past and probably even fairly recent, Okay, so I agreed to be the victim in this case. <laughs> and I'm going to try to be the right kind of responder, okay? But it's real important what happens when you use you a lot in situations is people get defensive. And when they get defensive, a wall goes up. And when a wall goes up, you can talk until you're blue in the face. The message is not going to get to them. You know, they're going to block that message. It, it's, and sometimes, it's not good. even when you don't use the you... It's implied, of course it's implied, and still you have to kind of, when we went through our little exercise, Tim heard me say you, but I had been very careful not to use you, so even though you try sometimes, it still gets there. <laughs> still comes out. All right. Okay, we're going to start off with David's prayer. This your prayer, David. Um, <laughs> keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. You know, you need to make things right with you and the Lord before you want to have a heart-to-heart -heart with your spouse or your significant other or co-worker or neighbor, whoever it happens to be. You just got to make sure that your heart is pure and that your communication is going to be pure through that. So that's why we started off with uh, uh, Psalms 51.10. And then love. Love comes into this. I mean, how many weeks now have we heard Larry preaching on love, and God's love, and God is love, you know. So there's lots of scriptures, including 1 Corinthians 13, which are the love scriptures, that we can talk about love and, and bring love into the relationship, okay? 
and then taking a time out. That's going to be a, a bonus thing that we're actually going to do with everybody. We're going to show you how to have a time out when things are starting to get into strife, to break that off immediately, change that around quickly, and see how God and the Holy Spirit will help you work through those situations. Okay, praying together. Praying together is really important. That's been our message for many, many years. You know, uh, if you have a prayer partner, it's good to get together with their prayer partner and have regular prayer times. If you're um, married, it's real important to have that with your spouse. Plan to do that every day. You usually have to set an appointment time and pick a time every day that's going to be best for the both of you. If you have a family, you can even include your children in that prayer time. But it's important to have the prayer. Reading and discussing scripture. Okay, well, we do that in Bible studies. We do that in church on Friday night. We can also do that at home. It's a good thing to bring out a scripture and, and talk about it and see how it affects you personally as a couple or family. And then have a heart-to-heart -heart communication. And that's what we're going to talk about next. It is uh, the next part. What does heart-to-heart -heart communication look like? So we're going to show you. Bring that up. I've got the scripture, so. Okay, Meg's going to start off with the scripture, but the first step on heart-to-heart -heart communication is demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards one another. Now, I, I will say this, because this is mainly <laughs> dedicated to couples, and couples having heart-to-heart. -heart. You might have to vary this a little bit when you're meeting with the same sex, your buddy or your girlfriend. But the principles will still be the same, and you'll understand what part of it you need to get and use. It's still, they have to know that you do have some uh, sympathy for the situation, that you do care about the situation being taken care of. Okay. Okay, this is First Peter 3.8. Now, this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them because a blessing is what God promised to give you. Amen. Set your heart to hear the other person's heart and words. You know, it's really easy to give it head knowledge, right? But when you're given it heart knowledge, you're all involved with the person that you're talking to. It's not just like, okay, get it over with. You know, uh, I want to hear it, and I'll give you a quick quick response. Um, that can happen, and it does happen. And we want to avoid that, especially when you're trying to have the heart-to-heart. -heart. So you got to choose to respect what the other person is saying. You know, always give them the you know, the attention that they're wanting. Does that mean turning off the TV, the notepad, the Facebook? All of that. Yeah, yeah, all of it. All That's of it. for solo Your time. Your favorite song, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Reading the newspaper. All of those things. All of them. Uh, repeat their statements and ask if you heard them correctly. And you'll see us doing that, okay? So choose not to fix the situation, only to listen. Uh, guys, we're kind of notorious for that. We want to fix, you know, our wives will share something. They're so used to being able to talk to other women, their girlfriends, their mothers, and just they'll listen. They'll listen. And they don't give opinions unless asked. They just want to be heard. We want to solve it immediately. Why are you crying? 
You just have to do this. Okay? That's not what they're looking for. Right, ladies? Right. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay, and save your opinion for another session. You can do that when you're asked for it. You can give your opinion. Okay? But not until you're asked. And then pray for each other. It's a good way to end the session is just to pray a prayer over one another. So we're going to give you that example uh, of heart to heart. And <laughs> so part of what we do is so that it's very clear who is speaking and who has the floor, we have a cross. You can use a pencil, you can use lots of things, but we wanted to use a cross because we want to stay Christ-like, okay? Okay. Well, I'm going to let Meg start holding the cross. <laughs> okay. Um, Tim, there's something in my heart I really need to discuss with you. Is this a good time to talk? Yeah, you're asking me if this is a good time to talk. There's something on your heart. Do I got that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. This this situation has come up, um, and I keep fighting talking to you about it. There's a situation that keeps coming up, and you keep wanting to talk to me about it and you're choosing this time to talk to me. No, I I said I keep trying to avoid talking about it. I keep pushing it back. Okay. Okay? You keep trying to avoid talking to me about it, and you keep pushing it back. That's correct. Do I understand that correctly? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So here it goes. I really respect you, and I love you. You know I do. And we... Learned to teach on marriage many years ago, and we've been teaching together for a long time, 39 years. Well, 38, actually, in leadership. Yeah, we've been teaching a long time together, and uh, you really respect me, but again, there's something that you need to convey to me. This happened recently at one of the times that we were teaching at El Desaro, and it, it offended me, and I was... I just, I guess I just hadn't noticed before that something was going on. Okay, th- this goes back to when we were teaching at El Tesoro, there's mm-hmm. something that really bothered you, and uh, it's been bothering you for a while, uh, so you want to talk about that. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. We're both very strong personalities, but sometimes I pull back and I shouldn't. Okay. You're saying that we're both strong personalities. I agree with that. And that sometimes you're holding back. Yes, yes. I pull back, I hold back. Anyway, here's what happened. I um, I was speaking, and it was my turn to speak, and I had the material in front of me, and I was speaking. And you sticked in front of me. And I just felt that was disrespectful, and I thought it was a symptom of something deeper than that. And so I just, um, since then, I've noticed that there are interruptions during when I speak, and I just feel, okay. Okay. Um, It's very important, ladies, that you keep it concise, okay? We think in boxes, and you ladies speak like spaghetti. You, You can have a lot of things going on, 
but we don't hear like spaghetti. We hear like box to box, and so we can only address one point at a time. I'll do the best I can <laughs> in uh, repeating what Meg said. That we were at El Tesoro, and you were getting ready to speak, and you had material in front of you, and you were just getting ready to speak, and I inadvertently walked in front of you. You felt disrespected and dishonored by that. Yes. And, and embarrassed. And embarrassed, yes. And so... Um, that's just been bugging you. Yes. And you're taking this opportunity to share that with me. Yes, yes. Have you got that right? Yes. Okay. You have. Oh, close enough. Okay, he's getting the idea. I have... I struggle with confronting. That used to not be who I was. And so I'm concerned about that. Okay. Well, she, what you're saying is you struggle with confronting, and uh, you've been struggling more and more with that. That's not who you really are, right. and you don't want to be contained that way. Yes. Have I got that correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Sometimes I think it comes across as complaining or disrespecting you or questioning you or whatever, and I don't want to do that. Okay. Sometimes it comes across as maybe being complaining and uh, disrespecting, and you don't want to come across that way to me. That is correct. Is that correct? I also struggle with interruptions because I have a flow, and sometimes it seems like what, what I'm sharing has to be reinforced by you to be effective. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If I understand did I you, use, did I use you? <laughs> you do have. Uh, you don't like being interrupted. Right. Sometimes that uh, messes up your flow. Right. And when you're trying to convey a message, and I interrupt, that kind of puts the kibosh on things. I, yes. I added that in, but yeah. I, I get the point. Yes. <laughs> do yeah. I have you. that correct? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. Is there anything else you want to share with me? No, I think I'm good. Thank you. I love you, and I hope you forgive me for having done that, and then I'll make a better effort in the, in the future to, to take care of that. Thank you. Okay. All right. That's a heart-to-heart, -heart. and the other thing would be that we would pray for one another. Father, I just thank you for Meg, my wife, my friend, my helpmate, my lover, and my companion. I thank you that you would be with Meg, Father God, and that you would bless her, bless her day, bless her into the evening, bless her at home, going into town. Bless her with safety wherever she goes, Lord. Thank you that she's guided and directed through the power of your Holy Spirit and that you watch over her, protect her, and love her like I love her. In Yeshua's name we pray. And Father, I lift up Tim to you as priest and head of our household. Father, I thank you for the teaching gift that is within him, Lord, that you'll help develop that within both of us, Lord, that we'll be able to ascend to new heights, Lord God, to be able to serve you in bigger and better ways all the days of our life. And we thank you for trusting us, for leading us, for teaching us, for accelerating us into the future. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to give you another example, and that's the time out. This becomes very important when you get into possible strife, okay? It's all right for you to have disagreements. We can have disagreements. Just being male and female could make us have disagreements at times. We think a little differently, and that's okay if it's handled right, but strife is not, 
Now, I used to say that when you get into strife, it's like opening up every window and door in your home and inviting Satan and his cohorts to come in and wreak havoc in your home. Because it is. God never intended for us to be in strife. So instead of getting into strife, we have a strife break, okay, or a timeout. And uh, we're going to demonstrate that for you. I'm going to demonstrate how I might have handled the heart-to-heart differently. And so we're going to just talk about that. So Meg is going to be angry with me, and I'm going to respond in anger and then call a timeout. Okay. Okay. Tim, when we were at Eldesoro the other day and I was teaching, you stepped right in front of me. I just thought that was just... I'll get over it. I, you're being too sensitive, you know. Tim, I didn't mean to do it. You know that. But you can't do that. It just says something to people that you don't respect me, that it, it's dishonorable. Well, I didn't mean to be dishonorable, but there's times when you're pretty dishonorable yourself, you know. Well, <laughs> I can't. I just... I never do that. I never, oh, yeah. and I mean yeah. never. never. I'm always right. so yeah. careful oh, of how You're you really feel. Careful. I try to go yeah. before you. Yeah. I just yeah. try to well, be nice. Okay. I think we better take a timeout here. <laughs> okay. So in a timeout situation, that didn't go too good. It wasn't like the heart to heart. So this is what we would do on a timeout. We First of all, we agree that we're going to sit together usually, hold hands, okay? And if you... Um, if you have your Holy Spirit language, we advise you to pray in the Holy Spirit. And just for three minutes. It's not a real long time. It's just a short while. Three minutes is plenty. If you don't have your prayer language, then we suggest that you just praise God together for three minutes. You can certainly do that. Praising Yahweh, praising Yeshua, praying Ruach Kadesh, Holy Spirit. And just do that for three minutes. Allowing the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into the situation and take care of it. Okay, we're not going to go for the whole three minutes, but I'll just show you how we might do that. We've agreed to come together. We're both probably still pretty upset at each other. Okay, but we're praying. One one thing that we've done is we've agreed ahead of time that this is the protocol we will use when we step into strife. So that you've got to you've got to take control of the emotions and you've got to just let the Holy Spirit guide you from here, okay? Mm-hmm. So it would be, you know, we did the timeout. We know we're praying together, so we're praying in the and Spirit. And hold hands. Yeah, hold holding hands. hands and don't squeeze hard. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> don't that'll ruin the whole me. effect. <laughs> no choking. <laughs> <laughs> so, shamdariyashisala hihitamoro hukiyasala varikoroka urabashantas durabalekte dantelidiriya santos erihaki narabalakha yashola Okay, so this happened for the sake of time, for three minutes. That's what we were doing, okay? And at the end of that prayer time, I'd say, Meg, first of all, I apologize for my part in that argument. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Okay. And I I ask your forgiveness, Tim, for what I have said. And, yeah. and I forgive you, too. Thank you. So is this a good time for us to talk about this situation or should we set it for a later time well we're on our way home from uh an appointment so let's let's do this after dinner okay okay that sounds good we'll make an appointment with yeshua to meet and have this discussion okay so this doesn't happen again thank you thank you for your time i love you i love you too
Okay. Do we use up our time, Vicki, here? Oh, any, any quick, quick questions? questions. <laughs> Very quick questions. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, good. Okay. Perfect. Does, any, does anybody have any questions? One thing, um, while you're thinking about your questions, one, one thing that happened, we were in a strife rig. We were in our Subaru, which had a clutch on the floor, and we were just storming at each other and we decided to do a strife break and I had my hand on the clutch and Tim had his hand on the clutch and I had a horrible clutch. horrible clutch. it was a clutch the stick, the stick shift, shift. Yeah. yeah yeah so anyway <laughs> anyway so we had a strife break and the Lord healed me right there mm -hmm. instantaneously because we chose to take a strife break, because it's important to him that we walk in harmony. So, yeah, it does work. Yeah, Jen. Great job, by the way. It's all super. So, um, the the first point: demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness. Maybe this is more of a comment than a question, but I I would just tell you what I find helpful. When it's not only repeating back what's said that you know they're listening, but the sympathy is like putting yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see why that would be hard for you, that um, you felt disrespected because that never feels good. It To me, it always adds like... You're talking heart to heart, mm -hmm. so it's more than robotic repeating back, but really sensing, mm -hmm. you know, or, or even if you're wrong and you say, so maybe you were just really feeling rejected or whatever, is that true? And you can say yes or no. I just think it takes it to another level, yeah. Yeah, heart to heart, so just a mm -hmm. comment. Yeah, thank you, Jen. And you can read whatever you wanted to that first part with, you know, uh, extending kindness and, and love and sympathy, uh, all of that up front. And that would be something that you want to do more up front because, again, we don't want to, uh, again, I don't want it to come across we're trying to solve the situation as long as you're expressing your feeling, your heartfelt uh, feelings for that situation. I think that's good. So what if it is a time where something like you're facing a decision and, and that creates the, the breakdown in communication or there's a time limit or something. How do you, how do you transition out of this process or how long does it take to get in a position where you can bring differing ideas together and try to come together on one? No, that's a good question, Larry, because that, that's what we call uh, bringing an agreement. And we don't believe if it's a real important decision that you just push ahead. You might have an agreement, however, if it's a decision that absolutely has to be made by a time frame ahead of time you make a decision. If we can't come to some kind of solution, then do you want to make me or you make that, that decision? But I think it's better if you're not in a tight time frame that you just give it over to the Lord, you pray together in agreement. And once you both have agreement, then you move ahead. Without agreement, it's always, I told you so. And that's not good. Nobody likes to hear that when it doesn't work out. 
What we've done on the big decisions is we usually journal, uh, you know, take time to pray individually and come together and then see what the Lord is speaking to each one of us. Now, if we're not in agreement, then we just wait and we just, we continue to seek the Lord. But we, I don't think we've ever moved ahead without like our job changes or, or buying a house or, I mean, we had to be convinced that both of us knew that was the direction to go. And you can't put a time limit on that. So does that help? If you were in a situation where it was obvious that you guys weren't of the same mind, you could acknowledge that and just say, all right, so we're going to take this next thing. We're going to journal together. We're going to pray, come back together, something along those yeah, lines. That's good because you journal all the time. So all we'd have to add to that equation is the fact that uh, Vicki would also be journaling. And you get together like you know what the situation sure, is. Sure. And you both seek the Holy Spirit separately uh -huh. and then come together, come together and see again. what you wrote down okay, in the journals. Cool. Yeah. I'll add one more thing. I always ask for a scripture. When the Lord moved me out here, he gave me the scripture, you shall not have one lot only, but the mountain will be yours. And I've held on to that all these years. I knew that I knew that I knew, you know, through that confirmation where I was supposed to be. He also told her not to marry a cowboy. She didn't. <laughs> uh, Run. So I have a question. Um, when you did the timeout, you agreed that you'd continue the conversation later. Yeah, yeah. What happens when later comes and one party says, I don't want to talk about it now? What do you do? Well, you might have to have another heart-to-heart -heart <laughs> as to why they don't want to speak about it, you know, because that's one of the things that's, uh, you know, what you're trying to avoid, you know, having heart-to-heart -heart conversation is just to avoid not wanting to be with them. So you'd have to go back and have a heart-to-heart. -heart. So if the person... I'll just pick on Meg for now. Mm -hmm. If Meg is saying she's not ready to talk about it, is that trigger a heart to heart right then, or do you just say? Yeah, well, I, I would certainly ask her to do that right away, right away, Ronnie. Because again, we've agreed with the time out that we would get together and pray, and that we would discuss this at the time right after the prayer, or at the time we agreed to later. If that doesn't happen then again, the only thing we can do is have a heart-to-heart -heart because you just don't let it flow. So heart-to-hearts override everything because she's saying, I don't want to talk about it. And you're yeah. saying, well, let's do a heart-to-heart -heart now. And yeah. it's like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. If she didn't want to talk to us at the set time like that evening, then I would suggest, well, pick another time. What What is good for you? Do you want to wait till tomorrow morning? And we agree on tomorrow morning. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then the heart-to-heart. Got to have the heart-to-heart. -heart. <laughs> yeah. What's that thing? Yeah, Rich. Uh, finances are uh, always before before you go, uh, Ronnie. I would also because we're both believers and our word is important. Our word is also he's listening. I don't think I'd put him off because I I'm accountable to him. If you're using Meg as the example, <laughs> I'm a man of my word. <laughs> go ahead, Rich. Finances are always a big problem in a, in a uh, couple situation. Yeah. I know in our, with Jen and I, it was a big, big problem. And I didn't have, I couldn't communicate what I wanted 
to her, and she couldn't understand what I was trying to tell her that things were okay. Yeah. We had to get a third party person involved to show. Thank God for that. What I was saying, he was able to spread it out and yeah. show her exactly you're good to go and everything was fine. But yeah. it was a big problem sure. for, for a long time. Do you think and heart to heart would help you in that? We had many heart to hearts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just, the commun- I didn't know how to communicate, uh, I mean, even showing the books the best I could. I'm not an accountant, but I'm doing the books, and she's free to look at the books and free to see everything. But she just could not put the numbers together the way I saw them to where I saw we're good. And she goes, well, how do you know? I said, and then this conversation broke down because I'm going, well, this, well, well," and it was just two minds not connecting on the same wavelength, and I didn't know how to communicate to her. She did not know how to know how to communicate to me, even though we went around and around and around until we got with a third party, which was able to explain things better than I could. Yeah, and things really worked out that way. See, and I would say you did absolutely the right thing. If you couldn't resolve it with the two of you, then you go to the third party, a counselor. Yeah. And you get their help. And we talked. I mean, it was a constant thing that we were yeah. talking about until things, until that finally got resolved. Um, but, but how do you deal with a financial situation with a, another individual that is not your spouse? It may be a friend. It may be, uh, uh, um, someone that owns you money and so forth. And it's just this, um, this thing between you. Because you loaned the money and they haven't paid you back and things have gone on and on and on. And yeah. That's why I guess the Bible tells us not to make those loans, Richard. But <laughs> unless you're given it as a gift. Yeah, I, I would say that the heart-to-heart would work with that. You would tell that person, listen, we got to sit down and have a heart-to-heart dis- to conversation about this money matter. And this is what's going on. And they're going to repeat back to you, do I understand that this is a problem with such and such a money? You're going to say... Yes, you understood it perfectly. And then you put the next point to them, and they repeat it back to you. And then hopefully there'll be some resolve just from that, if they realize they were in the wrong, owing you the money and not paying it back. So, okay. All right. I think, I think it's time for break. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so our next Snap Talk uh, presenter is Greg Collier, and um, Greg has been a part of Joyland uh, on and off for a decade, um, and he is the father of Abby, who is getting ready to get baptized tonight, along with our sweet little Sterling. And um, so he's going to come up here, and he is going to talk about... I'm going to talk to you tonight about uh, something I'm kind of immersed in, and that's being the daddy of a little girl. Uh, but maybe from a different perspective than you might be thinking. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, just real quick, uh, me and Abby have been through a lot. Uh, my wife passed away five hours after giving birth in a third world country that I had to escape from. Uh, had to figure out how to get to the embassy. Um, so it was, it was a fairly traumatic event. Uh, it was a very traumatic event. 
And then there was, once I got here, just trying to figure out how to be a dad, I was expecting someone else to be there. Um, so I'm really super grateful having gone through that for Larry and Vicki. I would like to honor them real quickly because they have one of the most important things imaginable, at least to me. In this church, in their ministry, there's a huge thing that goes on here, and it talks about Jesus revealing the heart of the Father. That has unlocked the word to me so much. It has changed how I see Jesus. Now, in the 10 years I've been here, I've been listening to Larry's teachings and, and Larry and Vicky's ministry on this. And during that 10 years, I became a dad. So it's like a twofold immersion in teaching. Um, and what I like to do, I always like to tell people because I hear that my wife does. Oh, you know, life has gotten a lot funnier with Abby. Um, just to tell you a really quick story. This happened last week. Um, we're, we're late for bedtime, and I'm trying to get to bed. She needs to get to bed. So <laughs> she is in a talking mood. She is going 10 to 15 minutes nonstop, not stopping to even inhale. And Daddy, and I want to talk about the giraffes. I want to be an animal doctor and fix the ducks. And and I like the flowers. I like the dandelions today. I'm like, oh, I'm laying in bed. This is going on I'm like for a long time. And so... At this point, I'm under a quilt with my face in a pillow trying to get to bed while she's... <laughs> and uh, so she finally comes to a stop and breathes, and she, then she goes, and Daddy? And so, yes, I want it quiet in here. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll try to keep it down. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun that happens. Um, there's funny moments. Also, life has not only gotten more funnier, but it's also gotten more adventurous and curious. She wants to be an animal doctor. And so we recently had a kindergarten trip to the zoo with her school, and I had to coordinate with her teacher. I had to do a lot of planning, make sure it was the right kind of lunch. We're going to sit down at a bench and eat it. And so we're doing all these things. You got to feed the giraffes, and it was great. But it occurred to me, this is something that's important to her heart. She really loves these animals, and she wants to be an animal doctor, and she's excited about the zoo trip. I'm the one doing all the planning and prepping. She comes along, holds my hand, feeds the giraffes, and has fun. And it kind of struck me. If that's how it is for me and Abby, how is it for Abba and me? When I ask him for something, um, when I put something before him that's really important to me, and i got a lot of stuff going on, is he going to work? Is he prepping? Is he doing stuff? Is this why he says asking, keep on asking? And so keeping in line with uh, Jesus being the heart of the Father, which I've learned repeatedly and never get tired of. I'm super grateful to Joyland for this. Uh, John 14, 9, Jesus told Philip, how long have I been with you? He who has seen me has seen the Father, Philip. So I asked God, now that I'm a dad and kind of had a whole paradigm shift and a new brain installed, uh, what's it like for you? You said you're the Father. You said Jesus is the Father. And I think I found something in Mark, in the book of Mark, that just really ministered to me, and it was under the foundation of you know, Larry and Vicky having this, Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. I'm like, wow, I never saw uh, this. Um, so I was going to go through this and how I read it differently now that I'm a dad of a little girl. Um, First of all, just a little backstory on Mark real quick, just a couple of bullet points. Uh, Mark was 
the secretary and interpreter for Peter. This could have just as easily been called the Gospel of Peter and so the Gospel of Mark. And that's been verified through history. Um, Mark is so much different than the other Gospels. Not that the other Gospels are wrong, but so, so Matthew likes to establish Jesus' authority and identity as the lineage to, to David. So we all know, oh, he's, he's legit, he's the son of David. Uh, Luke traces it back to Adam. So we can verify all that. So anybody who questions whether or not he's the Messiah, uh, John has the seven I am's and traces him back to the Creator. And I was, uh, I'm getting a third base signal from the other Greg here. So <laughs> um, is that better? Okay. Um, John, uh, he was the Word, back to the creation. But Mark doesn't do any of that. It's fascinating. Mark, you dive right into the ministry of Jesus. And in this story, we'll see that there's no establishing any authority of Jesus. The person who gets ministered to does that. Mark sort of thinks backwards. He reminds me of Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Bincer. I call him the Ronnie Burger. Long story. <laughs> but um, what will happen, we see, is Jesus ministers to someone like a dad. And you see a, an accidental confession go this way. Jesus' authority is established as he becomes the loving, miracle-working servant for someone. And he has a name for this person. It's a pretty interesting name. And so anyway, uh, I wanted to read this and just show you how I, I see things a little differently as a dad as I read the Word. Thanks in, in huge part to Larry and Vicky and Joyland. Mark, Mark, I can't talk that. Mark 5, 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. Jairus means Yahweh enlightens or Yahweh awakens. That's important. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter, everybody say the word daughter, lies at the point of death. Now, real quickly, that my little daughter, this is going to become kind of an irony. In the Greek, that's in what it's a fancy word called the diminutive mood. He's being my, my baby girl. It's very affectionate. It's the most affectionate speaking. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had... Now here's an interruption. This is a strange way that Mark writes this. It's an interruption. It stops the story and goes to a different story. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Everybody say the word 12. Right. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood, her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, 
daughter. Everybody say the word daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while here's, here's, now we come back to the other story. We're going to resume the previous story. So it's like a sandwich. There's bread, there's meat, and there's bread. We're going back to the bread here. While he was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. He's a ruler of the synagogue. And taught and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said, Why do you make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old. Everybody say the 12. Okay, so in my very uh, primitive uh PowerPoint, daughter, 12, daughter, 12. Now, at first, because I'm a recovering Pharisee, I had to correct God about his word. Uh, you know, arrogance much, right? <laughs> but I asked him, I said, why, why don't you interrupt yourself like that? Now that I'm a dad, I get it. God says, I didn't interrupt myself. My kids interrupted me. <laughs> Abby interrupts me all the time. I can't finish this in the restroom half the time. I can't finish a thought. So God said, well, go back through the story and find the common denominator. What are you finding? So I read it again. Daughter, 12. Daughter, 12. So what are they saying to Jesus? So I went back. My little baby girl, my little daughter, in Greek, the diminutive sense. Well, she's 12 years old. Jairus is a ruler of a synagogue. He can't say that. He's already had her bat mitzvah. She, is, she has, by Jewish customs and ordinances, all the rights and privileges of an adult woman. That's the rule. That's the rule. Why would Jairus, in front of the whole crowd in that community, do that? Because he's dad. He's not a ruler of that moment. Nothing else matters. So I said, okay, Abba, I see that, but I don't get the interruption. And so he just showed me daughter 12, daughter 12. Jesus, we, we don't know that this woman's a, a, a daughter of a synagogue ruler or... We don't know her profession. We don't know if she's married or not. We don't know anything other than what Jesus called her. Daughter. The idea is this. As I read it like a dad, I'm realizing God's telling me. You see how that synagogue ruler 
brushed aside every rule, every ordinance. He is linguistically wrong. Not a little girl, but she is. Because that's a dad. I felt like Jesus was telling me, where's her father? Where's that woman's father? The Bible, before I call her daughter, she was called a certain woman. Who called her daughter? The idea being, when it's important to you, it's important to Abba. There's no formality. There's a unique intimacy from a daddy and a little girl uh, that I will never be able to describe. It's just a completely different person now, being a dad. Now, there's an interesting thing. Uh, this just that just gives you a portrait of how I see the Gospels now being under Larry and Vicky's ministry. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Jesus isn't just walking around popping miracles. He sees a daughter, the big deal. Um, so the other thing is, I said Mark likes to do things a little bit backwards. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, that daughter with an issue of blood has violated almost every imaginable rule and is not supposed to be in public. She could be in a lot of trouble, dangerous trouble for being in public. And she actually touched the hem of Jesus. I say the hem of Jesus' garment that's Americanized. Um, I believe the Jewish word is kanaf, if I looked it up correctly. Um, his prayer shawl. That was a huge confession to who he was, because in Malachi 4, 2, it says the Son of Righteousness will rise upon you with healing in his wings. The, the word wings there is his talit, his, his prayer shawl. She's from a Jewish community, and she's in a Jewish public. Whether she knows it or not, she made an act of confession as to who he was. So the way Mark does it is the Ronnie Bincer way. The person receiving the miracle makes the confession as to the credentials of Jesus Christ after there's a compassionate moment between Abba and daughter. So one of the things, as far as application goes, that I felt like God was telling me about regarding us at Joyland is uh, David did it. He was talking to Daddy about a Daddy God about a request. And I've got all kinds of issues I'm asking God for, looking for. Um... When we have a request of God and we don't see it manifest yet, what if God's working the whole time? The little girl that was sick was lying the whole time, the whole, almost the whole thing, except for the very end, she's lying down. It's the dad doing all the work and pushing aside and finding Jesus. Uh, that's the zoo thing. I'm doing all the organizing, or not all of it, the kindergarten teacher helped me a lot. <laughs> but, there's a lot going on. Abby shows up and holds my hand and enjoys the visit. So when we ask God for something, that same level of importance in the heart of a father, um, she could change her mind in a week and probably will about being an animal doctor. But for right now, we're on the animals. So um, that's just something that God showed me about being a dad is uh, having a life of prayer. A lot of times you don't see what you ask for as soon as you wanted to see it. Um, what if I was working right now 
on everything that we're praying for? And what if it's super important thing? And we can't sense that because we're busy. So that's what God's been showing me being a dad. So. <laughs> mm-hmm.